0: This is Cliffcentral.com.
1: Welcome to In Conference with Michael Jackson right here on your favorite podcast platform. This is CliffCentral.com, unscripted, uncensored, unradio. This show is where you get to meet the people that I'm lucky enough to meet around my world of travels in the conferencing industry. I've personally spoken at over two and a half thousand conferences, over fifty countries. I've met some amazing folks, and the great people here at Cliff Central thought brilliant. Bring them to the platform. Now, also, regular listeners to this podcast will know that I love homegrown South African talent. And I'm about to introduce you to a man that you may not have heard of before, but my goodness, you're going to remember him in the next 15 minutes. He's a specialist in performance cultures. Recent podcasts, I've been talking a lot about people development. It's a tough economic time out there. We all know that. How do we learn? How do we improve ourselves? What do we do? How do we understand human relations? This is a new-to-the-stage professional speaker. My goodness, though, he should have been on stage since day one. His name is Sipiwe Moyo, and this man, when I heard him speak last Saturday, blew me away. Joining us from his office somewhere in Joburg via Skype, Sipiwe Moyo, welcome to your debut on cliffcentral.com. How are you, sir? Thank you so much, Mike. It's great to be here. Oh, you know, it's a real pleasure to have you, uh, you know, from that intro, performance cultures, all that kind of stuff. Tell me your story as quickly as you possibly can, so that people listening who are meeting you for the first time are going to remember your name forever, which I'm sure they will. Where did it all start, Sapue? So, Mike, if you can
0: imagine this with me, I mean, it's in the late 90s, and I'm growing up in some really dodgy place in the south of Johannesburg called Orange Farm. And it's a, it's kind of a very interesting time for me because... It really looks like I live in three different worlds. I mean, the first world in which I live in, it's an orange farm, it's an informal settlement, everyone is poor. Uh, but we kind of don't even know we're poor because, I mean, if you're poor and your front opposite is poor, your back opposite is poor, poor kind of looks normal. In fact, the first time I knew I was poor was when I went to study in in Funderbale Park for for my first degree, and and I say first because after that they just kept on coming. I <laughs> <you know? laughs> love it. Uh, and so when I get to Funderbale Park, this guy says to me, "You know what, pure For your background, you've done very well." And I'm sitting there thinking, "What background is this guy talking about?" Because I wasn't aware. And and that's when uh, that's what I call my de- my second world now. But my third world was when I went to. Uh, Vasiti, I went to to work part time at a Mr. Price clothing store in Southgate Mall. And for those who don't know, Southgate—I mean, Southgate—is surrounded by some middle-class suburbs uh, like Monjo and Mairdale. Um In fact, I call them middle-class now. But at that time, I used to think it was an area for rich people. I used to think yo yo yo, these rich people. And you know, uh, now Shem, I know that they're, they're just middle-class. You <laughs> know, <laughs> and 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 how I know that is that I'm part of that middle-class now, and I've made it in life you know and uh, and how i know it is that about a few months ago i had a break in, in my house after that i knew i've made it because uh, in south
1: africa until you've a breaking you're still
0: up and coming you you'll have your chance Yeah, if you, so was, if, you it,
1: if you burgle poor people it's just a practice for burglars right
0: <laughs> it is just a practice so, so that, that's my kind of background and it was, was amazing for me because the, the kind of people that I saw at home, the kind of people that I saw at work, the people that I saw at varsity were, were all different. I mean, one of the things that used to, uh, puzzle me is how all these rich uh, people in my, in inverted commas would come and buy their clothes at Mr. Price. I didn't understand that because, I mean, they would buy all these cheap clothes at Mr. Price and I just didn't get it because where I come from, you just don't buy those clothes. But what that did to me, it inspired me. Um, it made me get interested in human behavior. What is it that causes people to behave in a certain way, what is it that makes uh, other people to behave in another way? And and it it sparked something. So it's something that I've been I've been learning for a while. I've since learned that there are certain things that you must learn about human beings. That you must understand how human beings are wired. And if I may, might uh, the first the first thing that I really learned happened. It was the 4th of July, 2002. I was standing at a train station in Orange Farm called Straitford, waiting for, for the train to go to work. It was the first train. It was half past four in the morning, train number 9003. We're waiting for this train, wanting to go to work. And a friend of mine who's standing next to me, says to me, you know what's Spiwe, this thing of waking up so early, rushing for trains must stop. We must work hard and get out of this informal settlement. Surely there's a better life out there. And I'm looking at him. We connect with our eyes and I say, mate, you know what? I agree with you. We must work hard and get out of this environment. And, and it was the 4th of July, 2002. A few months later from now, I go back to Orange Farm and my friend is still traveling in the same train, 9003. So I ask him, my friend, What happened to our dreams? We were supposed to work hard and get out of here. And my friend says to me, you know what, Uh it's the system. Uh, The system has marginalized us and ostracized us. And I kind of understand what he's on about, but I I think he's lying because there are certain people who've grown uh, right where we've grown up, who've gone to do amazing things in their lives. Uh, They've they've gone to uh, occupy some really senior positions, speaking in global stages. What my friend didn't understand is that things... Don't just happen. You know, lives are not changed by intentions, but they're changed by actions. And
1: those are the things that I go around telling people because it's my story and that's where I come from. It's an incredible story. I mean, how did you feel when you met up a few months ago with your mate from the informal township at Orange Farm? I mean, did you know you're looking at him, staring into his eyes as you did that day in 2002? How did it make you feel? Because You've succeeded, Sapirwe. You, you know, you've got qualifications up the kazoo. You've worked with the HR Institute. You're a recognized practitioner. You're an expert on stage. I mean, you, you inspire people everywhere. And I have no doubt that you never thought that would happen that day in 2002 as you and your comrades stood on the, on the platform waiting for train 9003. But how did you feel when you saw him a few months ago?
0: Sure. Uh, First of all, I was very, very sad. Um, I felt a bit guilty that what happened, I I, I did well. My friend hasn't done well. Uh, I felt sad for him. But it, it sparked something in me. It made me understand that sometimes uh, our lack of exposure and, and, and our lack of understanding what the world out there, I mean, there's huge things that are happening out there that people are not exposed to. It made me sad, but it also made me very determined to say, I will tell this story, I will challenge people within the same environment so that so that we 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 don't get to sit down and kind of wait for things to happen because if we do that uh, we we uh, 13 years down the line again we'll still be talking the same story so it made me very determined uh, uh, Michael to be able to to challenge people to challenge myself and I know for, as well as I know my name that there's still more that I can do but it was my chance to also inspire my friend and tell every person that I meet that, you know what, the world is out there. If you just have that kind of a culture that wants to perform, you want to uh,
1: do things for yourself. There the, the, the really is opportunities out there. So, where did you get a lucky break or what set you apart? How did it begin? How did you escape from that daily commute on train 9003? So it, I, I don't think
0: it was a lucky break at all. But one of the things that really happened to me is a you know, being exposed to people who really challenge my mindset. You know, when I when I finished my, my 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 degree, luckily I was able to study that degree. And 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 when I left when I left my township just for some kind of a middle class area, ten kilometers from my from my township, I went to stay in Lens. And one of the things that started happening is when I go went back to my township in Orange Farms, pe- people started putting me on a pedestal. Hey, you're amazing. You've done well. And I was starting to also believe that until one. One day I went to a meeting in a place called Athol in Santin mm-hmm. I remember when I entered that uh, that 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 house Mike I could not believe that the house is like that because I was starting to feel like I've made it. I was starting to feel like I'm the man. Until I get into this house, they open the gate for me. And the first thing I see is a a tennis court in someone's yard. And I remember asking the person who was next to me that, dude, is this a community tennis court? And and my friend says, please, dude, don't embarrass us. We get into that house. and, And first of all, you know, black people, we still not show uh, the difference between the dining room and the lounge. Uh, sometimes it confuses us. But I get into this house. It has four rooms that all have couches. I'm confused. I don't know what to do with myself. And then the owner comes. I don't know whether that- to bow down and worship this guy or what should I do? But at that point, it actually hits me. I'm not as successful as I think I am. Uh, when you hang around with people who are some, the same environment that you are, who are putting you on the pedestal, like they, they were starting to do in Orange Farm, I was starting to feel comfortable, but I've realized that there's more out there and I did not have a like a break. I'm not convinced it's a like a break, the, but someone challenged my mindset. And, and if you can deal with people's mindsets, you are able to be
1: setting them up. Uh, for, for for the future. I mean, when you were working in retail at Southgate Mall, and, and you mentioned this to me when we met last Saturday, you said that you started studying human behaviour. You mentioned that in your introductory remarks here as well today. You studied human behaviour. Do do people fascinate you, Sipway Moyo? People fascinate me a lot.
0: Uh, Mike. people, the way people behave, uh, particularly in organizations. So, I mean, there are people who study human behavior generally, but one of my privileges has been how to study human behavior as it relates to uh, organizations, what we call organizational behavior. So, so I've been studying how people progress in organization. What do you have to do to to pro, to, to progress in your career? How you know there are certain things that even when you want. We watch people incorporate how they interact, how they interact with their bosses, how they, how they come to work, the kind of things they do on a daily basis. You can almost tell who's going to progress in life and who isn't. Because there are certain attitudes, there are certain mindsets, there are certain things that you do if you want to progress that many people are missing out there. And I really think people must understand that progress in life is really not a mystery. If you do those things, you'll be able to progress in life.
1: Tell me a little bit more about your career as you moved into this field of of what we could really call human relations I guess. So it started it started actually in that
0: year in 2002 I was made an intern at a company called Mining Qualifications Authority. This is a company that was um, uh, organizing conferences and organizing seminars in the mining industry and I remember, you know, when you're an intern people ask you to do all sorts of things so they'd ask us all kinds of things and one of the things that they would ask us is to help carry boxes to conference centers uh, because someone must carry those boxes someone must must help the conference organizer internally and and I used to do that a lot and I remember some of my friends who all had human uh, relations degree they would say, you know, I, I'm not going to study a degree to be carrying boxes. Uh, this is not what I studied for, but I chose to do it. And and one of the things it did for me, Michael, because when you carry boxes to conference centers, you don't have a car, so you stay the whole day in that conference. You you can't go. You don't have a car. You're waiting for the person who's who's, who's studying you. And and those conferences, I was attending conferences that were 10 years ahead of my time. And I was listening to people, people like you, uh, people like the rest of the guys that I'm privileged to meet today, listening to them when I was so junior and and I could have said, this is not my job description to be carrying boxes. But because I was there, it exposed me.
1: You almost seize every opportunity that comes your way and that looks like what you've done throughout that. I mean, you've gone on to work with the HR Institute. You've done some amazing stuff. But you also mentioned something to me the other day that now sort of strikes a chord in my head. It's stayed with me ever since. About the sense of entitlement that people come out of university or they come out of education and they go, hey, in this instant world, I now, you know, I've got a job. I should be the manager. How do you feel about
0: that? So, so people want in an instant what can only be released in the process. Uh, so, when I speak, I get people say, "You know what, people? I studied business management, so I should be a manager." And and I go around saying, "Yeah, you will be a manager one day, but for now, can you just manage the printer? I mean, you know, uh, the printer needs management. I people love it. want." And things in an instant. But that's not how life works. There's a process to these things. We must all pay our dues. We must all pay the price. But when it turns, when, when it's your time, it's your time. And it, people kind of say, where did it come from? But it's because you've been working in the
1: background in obscurity when people were not watching you. And I love that. And, you know, you've had a, a 12-year career that's developed since that train journey In 2002, did you ever imagine as a box carrier heading stuff into leaflets into conference halls that one day you'd be standing on that stage and people are writing down and listening to you as they are doing right now all across the world on this podcast? It was, it's just an amazing thing. And I, I, I couldn't imagine it when I was studying.
0: Because when you start, all you are trying to do is just to be faithful in that little task that they gave you. That's all you are trying to do at that time. But, but the more you get exposed, the more you get provoked, the more you see people as sitting on the stage, you get provoked and you are like, my goodness, I think I can do that. So, so initially, I- I I could I didn't imagine it. But as I went into those conferences, one after another, Mike, I I was
1: provoked and, and I started dreaming. Oh, man. And boy, have you dreamed big and turned those dreams into reality? I've got to tell all of our listeners that, you know, when I first met you and came across you a few months ago and then heard you speak last Saturday, I was absolutely blown away on both occasions. If you're looking for anybody who wants uh, to, to, uh, that you're looking for to get them into any form of conference where you want to inspire your troops when you want to bring a healthy dose of reality. Here's the expert from Train 9003 Orange Farm in 2002, now into 2016 and beyond. Sapiwe Moyo is going to become a legend, and you heard that here first on Cliff Central. I'm delighted that we've had the privilege of giving you a sense of your platform, sir. It's an honour. It's a privilege to know you and work alongside you. And Sipiwe, I just want to wish you much success from my side of things. How do people get hold of you, though, if they want to know more about the boy from Orange Farm? So,
0: Mike, it it really has been a pleasure to be here. Um, I'm I'm on social media. I'm at Sipiwe Moyo on Twitter, Sipiwe Moyo on Facebook and and on LinkedIn on the professional circuit.
1: I'm Sipiwe Moyo as well. So that's it. Those are the words that you need to write down now. Sipiwe Moyo. Go find this guy. Or I'll tell you what, if you don't find him, he's going to come and find you. It's unbelievable. Much success, Sipiwe. Thank you for being with us on the program, sir. Thank you so much, Mike. And that is what Cliff Central and in conference with Michael Jackson is all about. That's the voice. Thanks for being with us. See you on the next podcast. Cliff revolution. I've got something important to tell you. Cliffcentral.com.